Welcome to A Sensory Emotional Lens. I am Michelle Parkins. All right, we're back to continue our conversation on resurfacing behaviors around the holidays. You've likely noticed that these weeks leading up to the holidays and big events can be a tricky time for our sensory emotional kids. We've had many families asking about tricky behaviors that have gone away and are now resurfacing. So we started talking about this last time, and since this is such a big topic, we'd love to keep chatting. So we're back with Kristen, one of our OTs here at Great Kids Place, to continue our conversation from last time. We've talked about some of these resurfacing behaviors around the holidays, specifically the why they could be occurring, as well as increased neediness. Today, we're going to continue with different tricky behaviors. We'll talk about explosive emotions, as well as an increase in avoidance of everything. (laughs) So let's jump back in. So another thing we're hearing a lot of is a lot more explosive emotions. So increased meltdowns, yelling, hitting, all of those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. All the fun ones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, yes. And these are the trickiest ones for us to cope with, right? Because mm-hmm. the, these are the ones where we want to immediately respond to the behavior and not think about why it's happening, right? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> they're big and we want to go big. Um, so certainly needing to pause and think about the why, and hopefully we can give some of those whys Mm -hmm. right now, right? That would be a good goal for us is to give some whys to build the pause in there. Mm -hmm. So um, looking at this through our sensory emotional personalities, our anxious yet deep feeling kids, um, remembering that they're taking in and highly sensitive to the sensations and emotions around them, their cup is way fuller, Mm -hmm. taking lots more in this time of year Mm -hmm. everywhere, Mm -hmm. right? Our houses are different. They ride down the street. Every street looks different. Some houses have music playing outside that don't normally have music playing outside. Some everybody's got music blasting in their businesses and right the streets in the center of town and (laughs) there's so many different things that they were constantly taking in sensation 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 right Mm -hmm. and then we have everybody around us happy holiday right (laughs) everyone's like all joyous and happy which is wonderful we're not trying to be haters but (laughs) but it's big it's big Mm -hmm. and for our anxious yet deeply feeling kids it's a lot and so when we think of it as you know, a cup. And I know a lot of people think about cups as like good things. Like we want to be cup fillers for our anxious, deep feeling kids, generally for our sensory kids in general, their coping cups get full much faster Mm -hmm. because there's always stuff in it. Right. So there's this constant flooding of sensory information coming in and emotional expressions coming in from the holidays. Their cup is always pretty much at the brim. Okay. So Anything else that is coming is just kind of like that last thing, right? So you can kind of picture these anxious at deeply feeling kids always almost there, mm-hmm. right? It's like any second they could be overflowing mm-hmm. um, is basically their how they're living the holiday season. Yes. So I think we want to think a lot about what's necessary during this season. Yes. What things do we really need to do and what are the things we can let go of? So do they have to really wear that uncomfortable outfit on Christmas Day? (laughs) Do they have to eat that food that grandma made that they've never had before and is not comfortable for them? Mm -hmm. Um, Do we need that extra tree in the house or that extra (laughs) decoration that they just can't seem to cope with being in their space? Or are these the things that we can kind of take away to give them some control and make them feel more comfortable in their environment? And then I also think this part 
relates so much to us as parents and being aware of our own regulation state mm-hmm. and what things are really necessary for us. There's yeah. so much pressure to like provide this per- picture perfect holiday season for our kids. Mm-hmm. I was just talking to my girlfriend about this before I came in here about how our kids are probably going to have a much better Christmas if we lock knock 10 things off of our to-do list and are calm and able to be present with them than if we do all those extra holiday things mm-hmm. and are <laughs> overstimulated and screaming at them because we're overwhelmed by it right. all. So I think too, for us as parents thinking about what is necessary and why is it necessary? Like, do they have to wear the cute matching outfit with their sibling or is it fine if they want to go in their pajamas that day and they'll then be more comfortable and mm-hmm. able to engage? Which empties our cup as well because mm-hmm. we're not needing to force them to do it, right? Yes. <laughs> so yes. I think it's a, it's a double whammy yes. where they're not Win-win. needing to experience that sensory experience and we're not able to, uh, needing to fight with them mm-hmm. to experience that sensory experience. And I think the strength in that validation of, you're right, mm-hmm. this is a lot. There's a lot of different sounds. There's a lot of different sights. There's a lot of different clothes. And if you want to wear your sneakers with your dress... I understand, mm-hmm. right? And that alone, that validation allows them to be able to maybe tell you next time that they have an idea, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I don't have to wear the leggings under my dress or the mm-hmm. stockings. Like maybe it's going to be okay because it's not really that cold out mm-hmm. this this season, right? Um, and allows for that conversation and that sense of control. Yes. Like, I, I feel like you under, you heard me last time. And didn't just think I was being defiant because I didn't want to wear the dress that grandma bought me. Yeah. Right? But that it actually didn't feel good mm-hmm. for my body. And now I can say that to you yes. the next time that happens. And that's a good feeling for everybody. Um, the other thing that we like to do for our anxious yet deeply feeling kids, and again, to your point, something we can think about for ourselves is that little safe space mm-hmm. to retreat and reset. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know you mentioned just in our kind of chatting as we were setting up here about your playroom being a space that always looks the same mm-hmm. and that that's very, that feels really good mm-hmm. for our anxious yet deeply feeling kids. Like I know I can just go to my playroom because I know where everything is in there. It's always in its spot. And I, I feel good about that. Yes. And that could even be like a space in a kid's maybe bedroom where they have maybe a beanbag chair or even their bed and a comfy blanket. I know like when we have a lot of company over, my daughter gets overwhelmed and a lot of times she'll just go up to her room for a yep. few minutes and she sits on her beanbag chair, she reads her book, and then she comes back down when she's ready. So finding that space and letting your child know that it's okay for them to go to that space whenever they need that space. And maybe helping them. Sometimes they need a bouncer to keep other people from coming into their space when they're Uh in that safe space. Uh Well-meaning, trying to, you know, bring them back to whatever activity it is that everybody's doing. But just letting people know that they do need just, you know, a couple minutes and then they'll be ready to come back. That's where they're going to go. Yes. If they go there, don't go near them. Yes. Yes. (laughs) That is their space. Beanbag is the safe zone. And everybody else will be like, I wish I had that Uh space. Right? (laughs) Right? We all want that space. Um, so our unaware yet deep thinking kids, um, these are our kids who have are less sensitive to information from the environment and their body. And while there's more information in the world for our anxious yet deeply feeling kids to take in, a lot of times that doesn't involve a lot of input to our own bodies. Um, so for our unaware yet deep thinking kids, they need more input to their bodies. 
and to feel upregulated and activated and there that there's less opportunities. So they just feel less grounded. Mm-hmm. So feeling less grounded, less aware of their body and space and less aware of their their own kind of self and their own boundaries is very uncomfortable and can lead to quick explosive behaviors because they just don't feel like it's like like um families will describe it as like they're just not comfortable in their skin they're just crawling out of their skin right and and how quickly that that just jumps to being a reaction when somebody's asking you to do something and you just don't even know how to do that because you're not even sure where your body is in space Mm -hmm. right then right so allowing again you know i mentioned this we mentioned this in part one but just being more intentional about how do we put more sensory motor play into their days that are full of these routines that generally involve sitting Mm -hmm. right sitting at events and and being with but not always doing Mm -hmm. Um, and not being outside as much, right? So just being more intentional. And if we can't, we can't always provide input. There's not always an opportunity, but we can always provide a little bit of time to think and plan, right? So if if our kids are under under responsive to the environment and to their bodies and they can't get more information, then they need to use thoughts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's why we've got that deep thinking side of this profile is they they need a little extra time to think about how to respond, take in the expectation and figure out what to do Mm -hmm. in order to respond. So the quick, 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 hurry, hurry up. Why aren't you here yet? Response is because they're unaware of what is even happening. Right. (laughs) And so when you're saying quick, 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 come on, come on, come on, they don't even know what they're supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. So when they're yelling at you, it's because they don't, that, that quick, quick, quick doesn't help. It's need you to stand up. I need you to run and get your shoes. I need you to write like all the little things that say that's where my body is supposed to be and that's what my body is supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what they need. Um, so our confused yet full of wonders, I know we, we live in both of us, a house of this. Yes. So this are, <laughs> these are near and dear to us <laughs> and, and lived for us every single day. Um, so again, these are our kids who love and need to experiment with the just right way of doing things. Um, their immediate response is not always what matches what should be happening, mm-hmm. right? Um, so tell me about that, what that looks so like right now. We just have, behaviors. yes, we have so much less time to do these things that we would normally do. There's just so much less downtime in our days. Yep. Um, we're moving from place to place, activity to activity. Even just the day feels shorter with it getting dark earlier and us kind of all moving slower because we're more tired and maybe not doing things yes. the way we would do them. Yes. <laughs> um, same thing, like we usually would play outside after school and kind of all have like that time together then. And that's not really happening right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so just all of those like opportunities for her to have that time to experiment have changed a lot yeah so just you're you're feeling like without having it she's more likely to explode yes because <laughs> that need is not fulfilled yes. where it's like I just need my time to tinker and explore mm-hmm. and figure out what I'm supposed to be doing yep right now yeah that makes a lot of sense that's definitely what's happening at my house as well and sometimes that looks like doing it anyway mm-hmm. um but in a way that's more erratic because mm-hmm. my son's not quite sure if it's gonna when how quickly he's gonna be told to stop uh-huh right <laughs> so so when we see the object it's like a quick impulsive grab yep. and like quickly doing whatever he might think he needs to do with that object because it, i'm gonna tell him to stop in like two seconds or he's gonna be rushed out the door to like the next activity yes 
Um, so I think just being more aware of, of our directions, right? Um, instead of stop moving so much, can we say, I see that you need to move your body a lot right now. <laughs> you can do that in this spot, right? Uh-huh. Um, or I see that you're having a hard time figuring out where your body should be right now. Let me help you with that, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let me show you where you can be. Um, so yeah, like you said, kind of trying to build in that time and then giving some extra help there as well. So our needy yet compassionate kids with this explosive behavior piece, um, I always give this example and I feel like I've said it, I don't even know, a million times in the last week or so, but um, often talking to parents and saying, you know, imagine the days when you were lacking significant amounts of sleep, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Whether it was infancy or sick time for your child, but literally every single thing you felt like you had to do that whole next day after that night was way harder than it should have been, mm-hmm. right? Like everything felt heavier. Everything felt like it took more effort. Um, and if you were, you know, you had to make dinner, it was like, okay, you make dinner every day, but you're like, oh, I have to make dinner, right? <laughs> so you have that explosive reaction because it's one more thing. Mm-hmm. Why is it one more thing? I just want to go to bed. I don't want to do this. Why do I need to pick up the laundry? I just want to go to bed, right? So that's the feelings of our kids, right? They're exploding because they're tired. They're like, mm-hmm. just leave me alone <laughs> and let me lay down, right? I don't want to be doing all of these things, which looks like this big, big yelling, hitting. Mm-hmm. I don't want to know, right? Screaming yeah. no at us all the time. Um, and really giving a lot of pushback for things that are being asked, but in big, big ways. Yes. (laughs) So to help with that, we want to point out all of the ways that they are helping us, especially when they're less fatigued, provide opportunities for them to help, Mm -hmm. um, let them feel that sense of I'm a helper. I can do this. Yeah. I've got this. Um, and point out times when they're being strong and brave, that'll give them a nice boost, um, and really kind of help them. And then also, like we've been talking about, give them that help when they need it, decrease some of the demands for independence. That's right. Yeah. And I think this is like such an OT way of, of, of thinking, right? Like what's the just right challenge, Uh (laughs) what's the just right challenge in this moment right now, right? What is the demand I'm going to place that, that matches their level of ability with their body? Um, and what you're pointing out with the strong and brave is, is one of our strategies overall with Mm -hmm. our needy yet compassionate kids is when they feel strong and brave, they can sort of power through, Mm -hmm. right? It's like their coffee, if you will, right? Well, we'll have a a little bit of caffeine and it's like, I'm, I'm brave again, (laughs) I could do this, but putting them in that brave and strong role gives them that little extra burst And as you well. can physically see that little boost when you say that to them. Mm-hmm. Like they perk up immediately. Mm-hmm. They can continue with a task a little longer, even yep. if it's hard for them. You will notice it immediately when you're giving them that comment or that thank you for helping mm-hmm. with things. Mm-hmm. So something as simple as like, you are so strong. Can you help me pick up your toy and put it in that bin, mm-hmm. right? Rather than, could you pick up your toy mm-hmm. and put it in that bin, right? Mm-hmm. Just add that little extra phrase in there this time of year to like, you're right, I am. I can do this, right? Yep. I am strong. I've got this. Um, so for our scattered yet intentional and passionate kids, changes in plans are the main trigger for these kids, right? So we would 100% expect lots of explosive behaviors <laughs> from our kids that have difficulty generally planning and organizing their actions. So 
a lot of times this is why we as adults are having explosive behaviors this time mm-hmm. of year is that we're constantly planning and changing our plans and doing something different than we normally do. And that, whether you generally have a weakness in this area or not, is a lot all the time. And when our scattered yet intentional and passionate kids who generally have difficulty with motor planning are met with these constant changes, it is an automatic fight or flight response. Their body feels not successful. And for them, when they're not successful, they're not safe. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's why we get that intentional and passionate side of this mm-hmm. profile is when I intentionally and passionately engage in something the way that I know how to do it, I feel successful and safe. So their bodies are consistently challenged because they're not feeling successful and safe this time of year. Mm-hmm. So again, this one, everyone in my household really strongly <laughs> identifies with. Um, so we try to maintain structure as much as possible. So we have a little one now who definitely naps, but my oldest, when she napped, she needed that nap. That nap was like yep. so important for her. So we would always come late, leave early, whatever we had to do for her to really be able to have that nap, usually at home in her own bed, mm-hmm. was really important keeping our bedtime and morning routines as consistent as possible even when we're maybe going like out for a holiday we all bring their pajamas and we'll kind of like go to a quiet space before we leave if I think they might fall asleep in the car so kind of helping give them some predictability to like start and end the day Mm -hmm. helps a lot And then, um, like we had talked about earlier, with making them aware of the changes, try to avoid surprises. So when we have a new event coming, letting them know that event's Mm -hmm. coming, letting them know what that might look like or feel like. Um, If it's like a really big, exciting event, like, I don't know, maybe a holiday show or a train ride or something like that, showing them a video beforehand or pictures from a friend who had gone before, helping them know just what to expect so they kind of feel more in control Mm -hmm. and what's coming their way. Yeah, I think that's a big one because I think we get so excited as parents, like, Mm -hmm. oh, we've got this new thing we're going to show them. It's going to be so exciting because it's the holidays and it's new Mm -hmm. and it's going to be so fun. (laughs) And their bodies are like, this is new is awful, right? (laughs) Like, I have no idea what this is going to be like Uh and I hate everything about this. Uh And then you're upset because you're like, you were supposed to love this. Yep. We spent a lot of money. We we spent all this time. We rearranged schedules. That's right. That's right. Yes. 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 I had this picture in my own head about how this was gonna go it was gonna be magical (laughs) yes Yes. (laughs) exactly all of those things right so I think for these kids it would be any time that you think this is gonna be so exciting because it's new yeah Backtrack. Yep. It's <laughs> going to be really overwhelming because 100%. it's new or really tricky because it's new. That's right. And what do I do to make sure that it can be kind of fun? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then too, like um, thinking about physically might what might be new for them. So if it's a new activity that requires them to like coordinate their body in a different way, yeah. practice this with them beforehand. A great example, my daughter did a dance class this year and they had a recital last week. Mm-hmm. Now, last year we were dance school dropouts because it was just so tricky for yeah. us and we just couldn't manage adding that to our cup so Uh this year we were really Mm -hmm. excited to be in a recital and have our family come and see us but also knew that it was going to be a lot of different things and different way of moving our body and everybody watching us so we had like two dress rehearsals at home beforehand where she put on her outfit she came out and did her routine and her little sister sat and watched her perfect um so practicing that way 
um, even with holidays, I can't think of a specific example for like this holiday season, but like for Halloween, we like have a dress rehearsal for trick or treating. We have a dress rehearsal for yeah. Easter egg hunting where it's just like we're physically doing the steps of that task uh-huh. Uh-huh. so that she knows exactly what it'll be like that day and it's not so overwhelming. It's amazing. Yeah. We always, um, well, we refer to that as like playing out what will happen. Yes. Right. So <laughs> when we're, we play, what is going to happen? Yep. So I love the idea of it being a dress rehearsal because that's so meaningful to her. Yes. She's a dancer. Yes. Right. So everything's a dress rehearsal. It's perfect way of like makes sense mm-hmm. why we would have a dress rehearsal because we're playing this out. Um, so I think that uh, with these kids, you know, to your point, and a lot of the these events that they need to perform in yeah is a real thing Mm -hmm. and even if he feels like not that big of a deal like them standing in front of their classroom and their preschool and making little hand movements like those little hand movements are really hard Mm -hmm. for our kids with motor planning difficulties so practicing at home is a beautiful way because now we put it them in with other kids who are also moving their body Mm -hmm. And more adults in their space that aren't normally there. Mm-hmm. And explosive behaviors are inevitable, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> so that idea of practicing it out is perfect. So another thing that's been coming up a lot is more avoidance. So refusing to wear clothes that they usually wear, eating food they would normally eat, just straight up saying no to things they're being asked to do, even if it's things that usually they would do without a problem. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm not sure which one is trickier, the explosive behaviors that we were just talking about or being told no constantly. Um, Probably equal. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Equal trickiness from our perspective. Um, So let's break this down a bit for our sensory emotional personality styles. So our anxious yet deeply feeling kiddos, um, I know we just did a quick review of them, but they are our hypersensitive kiddos to sensations as well as emotion experiences of themselves and others. Um, So when we're thinking about our sensory systems under stress, so again, I know we mentioned this a, a little bit ago where we might have we might recognize a sensory emotional personality style right now that we typically wouldn't have said represents our child or maybe ourselves, but this time of year does. And this anxious piece is a big one that's coming up right now. And in general, whether we're hypersensitive to sensations or not day to day, our systems do become hypersensitive under stress. So when we feel stressed out very naturally, neurologically, our systems are supposed to be hypervigilant, right? We need to make sure we're safe. So if we feel stressed and we need to know we're safe, we need to hear things better. We need to see things more. We need to feel things more. And so our systems get increased to say, okay, I've got you. Let me let me protect you here. I'll be hypervigilant for you and I'll take all this stuff in. So I usually give the example of driving in a car to a new location and the feeling that you have when you're nervous about not being able to find that new spot. Um, Or maybe you're nervous about the location that you're in and you're trying to get out of that location. But either way, the first thing that you do is turn the radio down, tell everybody in the car to stop talking, stop touching you, right? Just you want all of those sensations to stop Um, and because they're hypervigilant, right? They're higher, they're processing things more than than usual. So we could probably be safe to say that most of us are functioning in this state <laughs> this time of year. Um, and so that that big feeling of of just wanting to 
not have so much or really what we what ends up being is control right what can you control in your environment what can you control in your day uh, to make yourself feel more comfortable Mm -hmm. so the avoidance generally is that quick that knee-jerk no right Um, one more thing no (laughs) I can't do that nope right so it could be a very intentional where where your child has been able to determine what sensations are uncomfortable in that moment and they're avoiding a specific task that's related to adding one more of those sensory experiences to their day. Or it could just be a quick response of, no, it's too much. I Not one more thing. Um, so the, the way to help, the best way to, to come at this is to take that no from our anxious yet deeply feeling kids as a call for control mm-hmm. and figure out how to give them control within that control, within your control. So that could be making choices within provided choices that you give. Um, it could be that if there's a part of the day that it doesn't really matter to you how it goes, can they choose what they do in that part of the day? Uh, are they able to determine what you eat that night because you don't really care what you eat that night, right? Um, and, you know, wherever you're comfortable in giving them a feeling of being able to choose and being able to have some sense of control, then you can hopefully see that decrease of the no's and the avoidances when they are always feeling like they're not in control, right? So if we can give them a space to be in control, there should be a decrease in avoidance during these other times that they can't be in control. (laughs) Okay. So we can go back to this idea of like what's really necessary and what isn't really necessary to give them some sense of control over their surroundings and experiences. Definitely. And I think that, that I'm, I'm thinking about this idea that we've been saying too, of like our own regulation Mm -hmm. state. Right. And we may feel like we need to be more in control. Mm-hmm. And so we may actually be pushing for more yeah. things that we typically would be a little bit more lenient on. Mm-hmm. So that might be something, too, for us to think about is what is actually necessary for us to be in control of, mm-hmm. <laughs> where our tendency will be to control because yeah. we are also in this anxious yes. state That's of all the things changing around definitely, us Yes, everything I, we talked about. I feel like outfits is probably a huge one with this where we're like, we have this vision in our head of what mm-hmm. the day is going to be like and it yeah. always involves coordinating outfits for children Yeah, and us getting very fixated on that when it probably really doesn't matter. Yes. It's not what they're going to remember. <laughs> no. Yep. <laughs> nope. No, they're going to remember. Um, so our unaware yet deep thinking kids, these are our kids that um, have less information coming into their body from the environment and from themselves. And when we think about all the things we've been talking about and referencing as far as needing to sit longer at family events, getting darker earlier, having limited opportunities to get additional input into their body, and this idea of them being in a lower, slower state because of that, their nose or their avoidances could be from them just not being upregulated enough to automatically respond, Right. So it's not that they're not, they could be not registering the opportunity immediately. So then when you bring it about, it's a surprise. So they didn't, they were less aware of potentially something that had to happen. So when you bring it up that it has to happen, they're saying no right away because there was no awareness mm-hmm. that that was going to happen. Right. And so that quick response. Um, but it could also be that, you know, another example I'll often give is, 
pre-kids <laughs> when you would maybe have a lazy Sunday laying around watching movies it's a cold day you're all snuggled in and then you need to get up and do something and you're so under regulated but feels nice for the time but not doesn't quite match the expectation of getting up and going mm-hmm. right so you may have had a, a dinner scheduled and it sounds like the worst thing possible and you wish you never scheduled it because you just chilled out all day mm-hmm. So these are our under responders who are just, they're a little bit, they need more to upregulate themselves to get going. So if they're getting less opportunity to be upregulated, they're going to be refusing mm-hmm. because their their body is good. They're good in this unaware kind of chill state <laughs> and, and they don't want to upregulate themselves <laughs> to go do that thing. Mm-hmm. So do we want to try to maybe build more opportunities for input into the routine for them? Absolutely. And even if you can do that into that specific event. Mm-hmm. So like helping them set up or they help yep. us set up, like yep. maybe set the table, yep. put the gifts under the tree or around the table where we'll all be gathering. Um, can they clear the table after a meal? Yep. Go for a walk with us after a meal. Absolutely. And the idea too, I know that you had talked about this with your daughter, just talking with her about we're Mm. going to be doing this and I wonder how you can do this Mm -hmm. so hey I know we're having a kind of like chill day and we do have to get up and do this big event Mm -hmm. and it's going to be really hard for us to get up and going Mm -hmm. right what should we do before we go Mm -hmm. so that we can get up and going Mm -hmm. um so building awareness like we always like any opportunity we can to help our kids start to advocate for themselves when they can start to know I need more input to my body then they're they're the ones that can initiate that because if they're in their low and slow unaware state and we're saying, hey, it's time to move your body, it sounds a great idea to us, but it's a terrible idea for them Mm -hmm. and they're immediately going to say no, Mm -hmm. right? Um, But if we can reframe it and say your body's saying no because you need to just actually get up and go. Mm -hmm. Um, And so if they're old enough to understand that, that's a good way to do it. Or if not, you can start to ask them like, oh, I really need need you to help me do something – we got to get ready, right? And thinking about, you know, we've talked about our own regulation state in a tricky way up to this point, mm-hmm. thinking about behaviors. But for our our under-responders, less sensitive kids who need more information to their body, our affect is a big boost of input, mm-hmm. right? So if, if we also don't feel like getting up and going <laughs> and we're like, all right, come on, we got to go do this – that is not going to upregulate them, mm-hmm. right? But if you're excited about it and you're like, guess what? We get to, it's time. Mm-hmm. It's time. We're going to go to And so just that burst of information from your own affect upregulates their body. Yeah. So it doesn't always have to be an activity or a fidget or movement input or it doesn't always have to be a big deal. It could also be your own affect that will help upregulate them and get them ready to go. Okay. Um, So our next sensory emotional personality are confused yet full of wonder kiddos who are our kids whose expectation or whose way of being doesn't always match the expectations, even for themselves, um, where they expect something to happen a certain way and they do it and it doesn't happen that way. Um, So this could be a really, that, that situation alone that I just mentioned is a great reason why we get refusal. From our confused yet full of wonder kids, so they have difficulty discriminating and perceiving all the little details about situations and all the, the precise way of doing things. So if they are 
in a situation or presented with a situation where they aren't really sure if what they're going to do is going to match that experience or they did jump right in and then they were told that that wasn't the right way, mm-hmm. right? So, hey, we're, we're at this new place and here we go. Let's go do this this event together and they go all in, but they move their body in a way that doesn't match the experience. And then they hit that surprise, that feeling of confusion, like, well, that's not what I thought my body was going to do in this situation. Or we might be the ones actually saying that like, Oh, you weren't supposed to go there yet. Or you weren't supposed to touch that. Or, um, then they're going to say, okay, fine. Well, I'm out. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do this anymore. Take me home. Mm -hmm. I I just got in trouble and I don't know (laughs) why, and I don't know how to do this thing. So just get me out of here. Yep. So what helps with this a lot of times is like making it, likening it to a past experience. So maybe showing photos of something you've done similar or video, or even just like, remember when last year we did X, well, this year we're doing Y and these are the things that'll be the same. These are the things that might be different. Yeah. Um, this is what we can expect. Yeah. Um, and then to like to maybe like yesterday, for instance, we went to this holiday brunch and it was not what we expected. It was very different than it had been the year prior. Um, so just like when we left, just kind of acknowledging that like, oh, that was different than I thought it was going to be. I, it was not yeah. what I was expecting. Well, maybe it was a little disappointing or a little tricky for us when that kind of came up and things that we thought were going to be there weren't. Um, so just talking about that part too after. Yeah. And I think the the language that you're using right there is perfect because it talks about that in between a feeling, mm-hmm. right? So our confused yet full of wonder kids also have a hard time feeling like a little bit upset or kind of disappointed, mm-hmm. right? It's either like awesome or terrible. Uh-huh. Like this event was the best thing ever or I hated it. Yep. Worst thing I've ever right? done. <laughs> so um, two things that you said, the, the, the emotional differentiation, right? Like, oh, that was a little different. The way that was kind of disappointing, but this part of it was pretty fun, mm-hmm. right? And kind of using that language around doesn't have to be great or terrible, mm-hmm. right? It can be like a little bit of everything uh, is really nice way of helping differentiate different emotional states, which is a challenge for these kids when they don't feel precise and refined things in their body, that little precise differences in emotions are also tricky. Um, so what you're describing as far as what was the same, what was different as well is exactly where we want to be with these kids because that that's what they don't know, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> so they just experience it as confusing and surprising um, and not what they thought. So um, helping to talk about what was the same, what was different helps helps them be have, have more meaning behind it. Um, because remembering that these kids do best when they've experienced it, uh-huh. right? So they start to do it and they're a little confused. And if we can get them to stay with it and experience it, then their body will say, ah, I got this. So if they've done it before, they can reference that, ah, I got this, Mm -hmm. (laughs) quicker because they have a reference point. So our needy yet compassionate kiddos are refusals from these Mm. kids, right? So generally coming back to that feeling of fatigue, Mm -hmm. and I hate to sound like a broken record with these needy yet compassionate kids (laughs) with these behaviors, but generally that is what you're seeing, Mm -hmm. right? It is kind of a clear cut piece here where... Mm -hmm. Um, I think the hardest part is for, for these kids, they do generally work really hard to do the things that they're, they need to do every day, Mm -hmm. get dressed, eat, you know, carry their backpack, every single thing. 
And so they, um, them not doing it in the moment and refusing feels a little bit scarier for us as parents because we worked really, really hard to get them there, Mm -hmm. to build their strength, to build their endurance, to support their bodies to do it. Um, But just remembering that this is a level of fatigue they don't typically have, right? And doing it with them so that they're helping you, right, is just our, our... our hold strong recommendation Mm -hmm. for these kids through all of these behavioral experiences. Um, So the saying no here is I need help, Mm -hmm. right? So uh, that is the exact interpretation. Like saying no from our needy yet compassionate kids who have a weaker body system means I need your help Mm -hmm. with something. And they're not going to say that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) because they too feel like I should be able to do this. Mm -hmm. I've done this before and now I can't. And they, they are used to feeling like they need help. So when they have felt like they don't need help and now they're asking you again Mm -hmm. for help, that doesn't feel good. Mm -hmm. It feels better to say no. Yep. And that feels stronger. It feels more in control. Yeah. Yeah. I I feel strong and brave because I can say no Mm -hmm. to you. (laughs) I don't feel strong and brave when I have to ask you for help for something that I I usually can do by myself. Mm -hmm. Right? So their no is their way of saving face (laughs) and not asking for help. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, our scattered yet intentional and passionate. So remembering that these are our kids who generally have difficulty with planning and executing, coordinating their actions. And remembering again that our big emotion, our big responses for these kids are expected more so than any of the others because we're constantly messing with their plan Mm -hmm. (laughs) this time of year. So their refusal should be interpreted as, I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. So the difference here being, um, you know, we need to give them the plan. Yes. I don't have the plan. Yes. That's what they're saying. (laughs) Will you do this? No. (laughs) It seems like you need a plan, right? <laughs> yes. So helping kind of break down that plan into like one step at a time directions so they can build confidence and say, oh, I can do that one thing. I can do that piece of the plan and then help them move to the next step from there. Yes. And giving them lots of praise along the way mm-hmm. when they are doing those things to um, help build up that persistence and being able to push through. Absolutely. Tricky tasks. Absolutely. So our big emotional response that we want these kids to feel, I mean, all of our kids, but it, they're, it's very, very driving for the kids with this profile is that confidence mm-hmm. and persistence. So if we're doing one thing and that thing was amazing, mm-hmm. like, it's so amazing. I can't, you did that. Great. Awesome. You did that. Now let's do this next. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh. Yeah, yeah, I got. I this, can do this. Right? I can totally do this. <laughs> so we're building that confidence each little step at a time. Mm-hmm. I keep thinking about when I just said that this like visual that keeps popping up around where it's like big steps and little steps, right? Mm-hmm. It's like one has big steps and it's like I can't do this, and then one's broken down mm-hmm. into little tiny steps, and it's like I can do this. Mm-hmm. Like that's this feeling of like when I take one little step and I feel good about it, I can probably take the next step. But yep. if you give me the the whole staircase, and I can't, yes. I just can't do that, yeah. right? So, all right. So I am super excited. Like, as we have been talking about this going a little bit longer than we thought, we should have known that, right? We know that tricky behaviors are a hot topic and certainly something that we want as therapists. We're like, oh, we need to help that, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) We need to help that be better. Um, So as therapists, as occupational therapists, when we think about sensory motor, sensory emotional differences, we work with families in two ways. 
One is how do we make these better, Mm -hmm. right? How do we work to enhance sensory motor capacity? So if there's a, a overwhelm from sensations or a decreased sensitivity to sensations, how do we make that processing more balanced? Mm -hmm. Or if there's a weakness in postural stability, how do we build core strength? If there's a challenge in motor planning and motor coordination, how do we make that better? That's one area, right? Mm -hmm. How do we work on this? The other is how do we accommodate for this, right? How do we make this easier? Because we know that these things are tricky. How do we make this easier? And during this time of year, we just want to invite all of our parents to provide accommodations. Mm -hmm. This is not a time where we want to do the work. Mm -hmm. We're all stretched enough. We're stretched enough as adults, as parents, as kids, as professionals, as everybody just trying to get everything done um, and and enjoy ourselves, right? We'd like to find joy in all of these things. (laughs) So in order to find joy, we don't need to add one more thing to our plate, Mm -hmm. right? We don't need to say, I have to make this this sensory motor processing better for my kids right now. We don't, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) We just need to have fun. And when we have fun and we find joy, we do that through understanding the way that our kids are processing the environment, their body, and emotionally responding to that and then meeting them there Mm -hmm. and saying, I understand why you're saying that, doing that. Mm -hmm. And I can respond to you in this way to make that okay. Right. Yep. So you are helping by responding in an accommodating way. Mm-hmm. You're validating their experience. You're recognizing and seeing them, and you're helping them feel successful. Mm-hmm. So if we leave this this time of needing accommodations, feeling like I wasn't successful, then then that's where we have a tricky situation. Right? Yep. So helping them feel safe and successful, like our relationship can carry them through these tricky times is where we want to be right now. We have plenty of time after the holidays to go back to number one, okay. which is to work on these areas. So we just want to invite everybody to be okay with not working on it. Okay. Providing accommodations, mm-hmm. finding the joy, finding moments of play, and just relaxing our expectations a little bit throughout the day. Well, as a therapist and a mom, that makes me feel a lot better to hear that. Um, It can be really tricky. We sometimes have kids come after we've been making all this great progress and we have a really tricky session or a really tricky transition out of a session and we can start to feel kind of like, oh no, are we going backwards? Are we Mm -hmm. losing Mm -hmm. progress? Um, Mm -hmm. And same thing at home too, like worrying when we're seeing these increased behaviors coming up. Are we not on the right track with what we're doing? Are we missing a piece? Um, So just knowing that it's okay to kind of accommodate ourselves and our kids Mm -hmm. during this tricky time is really helpful. So thank you for being with us. We hope that this has been helpful. Um, I know that we talked, we planned on one episode. Mm -hmm. We're maybe two and a half at this point. (laughs) (laughs) But but we know it's important. It comes up every day um, in our sessions. These are also tips that you can carry beyond the holidays. So keep that in mind as well. Um, Anytime there's changes in routines and events, and you can come back to this and think about it um, on a non-holiday time. So uh, next week, we plan on focusing a bit more on on us as parents and helping ourselves find regulation states um, so that we can access 
all of these strategies, right? So that's a tricky thing too, is when we have these strategies and now we can't access them and usually it's because we're dysregulated. Mm-hmm. So stay tuned for that next time and thanks for being with us. If you have any specific wonders about the way that your child's processing the world and the emotional expression of that sensory motor capacity, please visit our website, greatkidsplace.com. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Please note that the content shared in this podcast is being provided for educational and informational purposes only and should not be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. The resources provided are not intended to be therapeutic interventions and individuals should consult with qualified healthcare professionals for personalized guidance regarding their occupational therapy and mental health needs. See you next time.